podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, soon to be 14, soon to be 12. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for our Thursday show, a loaded Thursday show for you today. Derek Dute of Heartland College Force is going to join us to talk a little Big 12 baseball. We've got Lee Cothran of Dynasty Defined Podcast to preview the Big 12 Wrestling Championship that is this coming weekend. It's going to be a really good one, a really good one. You got a really tight potential race between Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Missouri. Plus, who the heck knows? Because last year was wild, and nobody thought OU would be tied for the lead at the end of it all. But that's what happened. So, always exciting to talk some Big 12 wrestling. Before we get to that, our good friend Melina Sanchez is going to join us to talk a little softball. But but first, I need to do this real quick. Uh, put out a poll on Twitter on Wednesday morning. I know some of you aren't on Twitter, and that's fine. To get to the bottom of who should be the Big 12 Men's Basketball Coach of the Year. And I chose four guys in particular. Mark Adams, because first year as a head coach at a, at a Power 5 school, as a D1 program. I know he's had some, some lower division head coaching experience before. But takes over a program that he had been at for some time. After, uh, you know, Chris Beard. Sorry, brain fart. Chris Beard left for Austin. And he has done a phenomenal job, far more than anybody expected. Uh, his defense, according to Kim Palm, adjusted defense is like second, third, fourth, fifth, the top five. I'm going to pull it up real quick because I thought I remember what it was off the top of my head, but I did not. It's, oh, it's second. I was right. I did remember. Huzzah, pat me on the back. So Mark Adams is an obvious one. I think Scott Drew deserves more credit for the number of injuries, the wave of injuries, the players that are so important to this Baylor team and the number of injuries they have dealt with this season for them to be one win away over Iowa State this Saturday over a split Big 12 regular season title. Well, they do beat Iowa State on Saturday. They will share the Big 12 regular season title. With all they've dealt with, that is a testament to what Scott Drew has built as a coach and the job he has done coaching that team this year. TJ Otzelberger, first year at Iowa State, turned a two-win team 
into, well, at this point, it's still a 19-win team after they, they lost senior night at home, only scoring 36 points against Oklahoma State. But a, a legitimate case for Big 12 Coach of the Year based off his performance. And Jamie Dixon, because I had some TCU fans bring it up in, uh, in on Twitter, after he, the TCU Horned Frogs, were able to beat two ranked opponents back-to-back, two top 10 ranked opponents back-to-back for the first time ever. And so there's some recency bias there. But I went ahead and put him in. His Twitter poll has become a battle between Iowa State and Texas Tech fans. Which, look, I, I never thought I would see the day that I'd be looking at a poll on Twitter and Iowa State would be losing it after, what, 12 hours? 10 hours? Mark Adams currently has 54% of the vote. TJ Altsberger has about 39. That's out of 5,300 votes. And my takeaway from all this is, I think both guys have a legitimate case. I think Scott Drew has a stronger one than people are giving him credit for. And I think Jamie Dixon's fine. I don't think he should be in this race. I think it's a three-person race. Where I get annoyed is a statement by fans, not even close. It's TJ Osberger. It's not even close. It's Mark Adams. It's not even close. Folks, it's close. It's close. And the problem I have that with, with that saying is this. I want to give fans full credit. Because I think you do a better job of knowing your team than anyone in the national media does. You are around them. You follow them. You breathe them in. You are fans. Fans are short for fanatic. I get it. It's why I bring people who cover these teams onto my show. I love the Big 12. But I people who cover Iowa State know Iowa State better than I do. Fans. No, but Iowa State better than I do. It's why I listen to fans on Twitter. It's why I listen to fans on Instagram. It's why I want to hear from you. So I give you credit out of the gate by saying you do know your teams better. But just like you know your teams better than I do, you don't know the other teams as well as you know yours. There's always going to be some built-in bias. And as long as you understand that, we can have a conversation. But when you are dead set in, it's not even close. Sometimes there are arguments that are not close, obviously. And in sports, they are occasionally. They're rare, but occasionally they happen. But in situations like this, if you lead off a conversation with, it's not even close, I'm just not going to really want to engage with you because I already know where this conversation is going to go, and it's going to be talking to a wall. Just like you know your teams as well as you do, fans of other teams know their teams as well as they do. It's okay to admit that you are biased. Just admit it. It's okay. That's fine. You are a fan. I love it. I love your passion. But if you're going to hop into an argument all up in your feels, just just be ready to be told you're wrong. T.J. Altsberger has a legitimate case for Big 12 Coach of the Year, as does Mark Adams, as does Scott Drew. I don't know who's going to get it. If I had to put my vote down, I would pit Mark Adams over Altsberger and over Scott Drew. But It's very close. Ask me again on Saturday, I might change my opinion again. Because that's how I feel. Because it is not, not even close. I love all of you. Keep voting. Keep hitting us up on Twitter. Comment, react, be mad at me. I love Iowa State fans. You guys are insane. I'm, I've grown so much respect for Texas Tech fans just because of this stupid poll, which sounds silly, but the, the amount you have come out to support your guy, it's incredible. I mean, look at the, look at the arena for Texas Tech this year. I've never seen Texas Tech and, and and their basketball arena, that full, that packed, that crowded all year long. It's insane. It's great. It's awesome. Okay. Uh, enough about that. We got to talk a little softball. Melina is here. Melina, my friend, 
it was an interesting week for the Big 12. It was a good week for the Big 12, I think. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State having some undefeated weekends, very impressive performances. Um, let's start with OSU, four-game series. Weather screwed this whole weekend up. Weather just completely threw the weekend out of order, especially in the state of Texas. And for Kansas out in Arkansas, like I live in Arkansas, it was ice, it was everywhere. Um, but props to OSU, 4-0, including two very close wins over Texas A&M, who up to this weekend had been undefeated. Um, I think my biggest takeaway for the Cowboys, or the Cowgirls, Miranda Elish gets the start on Sunday, second game of the doubleheader. They let Kelly Maxwell, who we know how good she is, get the start against Tennessee State. They win 5-0. Elish comes in. She's been up and down so far this season. We saw some signs that she may be getting back to her form the last game out there at the St. Pete uh, Clearwater Elite Invitational. And then we see her Sunday performance against A&M. Just gives up one run. More walks than you'd like to see. But I think those two performances back-to-back lead me to believe that she is getting closer and closer to getting back to the Miranda Elish we expected to see at the start of the season. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, that game against Texas A&M going seven innings, like you said, more walks than you like to see. Had about five walks, but also coupled that with 11 strikeouts, only giving up uh, one earned run. I think she is getting finding her groove. Um, it takes a little bit of time to find your groove on a new team, so I think she's doing really well. She's getting back to her old Texas self as she was. You know, remember when Miranda Ellis was leading the team at Texas, they were number one in the nation before COVID hit. So I think she's really uh, starting to find her groove and, and did really well against A&M. Agreed. Uh, we were wrong, Miranda. We were wrong. Sorry, Miranda. Melina, I'm just kidding. Um, we were wrong. Allo did not hit the, the home run she needed to earn the record this past weekend, in large part because everybody was just like, nah, we're just going to walk her. We're not even going to let her have a shot, a real shot at hitting a home run on us. Teams do not want to let her set the home run record against them. Yeah, I guess uh, those pitchers don't want to be that one on that highlight reel to uh, be the one that gave up the 96 uh, home run to Jocelyn Allo. You know, I think about that, just thinking back, back on what we were talking about last week, um, nobody wanted to be that one to give Barry Bonds uh, his his uh, home run. And, you know, Steph Curry took a couple games trying to get that three-point record. So, you know, I should have thought about that, that, you know, that last one is always the hardest one to get. So I was a little bit bold on my prediction when I shouldn't have been, but Nobody wants to be the one on the highlight reel giving up the 96 home run to Jocelyn Allo. Hey, don't feel too bad. I was wrong, too. We both thought it would happen fairly early in the weekend. It did not. And it won't happen this weekend either because Oklahoma is off this weekend before they head down. They got a Monday game against Minnesota before they head down to Hawaii. Would be really fun for her to be able to get that against Missouri at home on Monday night in Norman. I think that would be a really special thing to get to do that there in Norman. Though breaking the record in Hawaii wouldn't be so bad either. Yeah, it'd be great for her to break that record in Hawaii where, where she's originally from. But, you know, those fans in Norman, Oklahoma, they love to softball. Um, they have great fans in Norman, Oklahoma, and I think she'd, she'd uh, be extremely happy to break that record there in front of all those fans that love her so much. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Okay, looking around the rest of the conference. Texas, weird weekend because of the weather. They dropped their game against Arizona State, and and you and I were texting while we watched that one. It was a, a close game that you really felt like Texas had plenty of opportunities that they couldn't have taken advantage of. Rebound on Sunday and Monday with a couple of, of pretty solid blowout wins over UTSA, a couple of games over Tulsa, and one over Texas State. Look, no offense to T- UTSA and Tulsa and Texas State. Those are some, some solid teams. As you mentioned, Texas State has given Texas trouble in the past. Uh, Tulsa is 
the Achilles heel to Oklahoma State a lot of the time. I mean, they just got a a close win over Sam Houston just before we started recording here on Wednesday night. I mean, how are you feeling about Texas after this this past few days? Um, that loss against against Arizona State was tough, um, but I hope a, a little bit these easier games that that uh, they just had, you know, build some confidence for them going into this weekend against Alabama. That's a big series. Um, they played two against Alabama, something I'm really looking forward to. So hopefully they found their groove. Hopefully they found the right lineup. They've been mixing the lineup around early in the year, trying to get stuff figured out. So I hope that they have stuff figured out going into this weekend against Alabama. And uh, they have another uh, tournament next week in the Bevo Classic before they hit conference tournament. So I hope they can uh, improve in both pitching and hitting. Their pitching has been improving a little bit. Dolcini's trying, uh, starting to find her form. I'm really impressed with Sophia Simpson. So hopefully everything can come together and, and they can get things on the right track. Iowa State's impressing me so far. Uh, they've looked a little bit up and down here and there, but they're third in the Big 12 in batting average right now. They're second in pitching with an ERA of 2.6, just uh, just ahead of Oklahoma State. And Fielding is third in the conference. And I realize there's only seven teams in the conference, but, but they're in the upper half where you want to be. They've got a nice little weekend slate coming up here for them. They've got games against Boise State, uh, North Dakota, um, Texas State, and Loyola Chicago. I know it's not a lot of names you're like, okay. But it's an interesting weekend for them. And so I look at Iowa State and I think, and they have Arizona. Question is, how how good do you think this Arizona team or this Iowa State team is? Like I I, I feel like they have inclu- improved year after year after year under Jamie Pinkerton, and it feels like they're getting closer and closer to to trying not to win the conference. Sorry, it's Oklahoma, it's nobody else, but but to to being up there in that third spot, maybe even pushing for the second with Oklahoma State the way they've started the season. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Iowa State as well. You know, they went down to that Mary Nutter Classic. I said, well, we'll see how they do. Um, against teams like UCLA, against teams like Washington, you know, they hung their own. They only lost to UCLA uh, by three, three to nothing. And then Washington won to nothing. And they faced some great pitchers um, in the circle. They, and with uh, UCLA, they faced Lauren Shaw, Holly Acevedo, two great arms. And they faced Gabby Plain again when they played Washington, Gabby Plain, a great pitch, pitcher. Um, the offense didn't seem to get going, but their pitching is doing really well. And their defense is holding them together as well. Yeah, there's a lot of promise there. I mean, look, Washington's really good. I think Washington's a very good team. It's a team that's good enough to make it to Oklahoma City. So a 1-0 loss is not something they feel bad about. Uh, the loss to UCLA, I think, was impressive as well. I just I feel like you look at the Big 12. T- Texas Tech's record isn't great. They're at what now? 5-10? and 10? But they've been in so many games and they can't quite get to close it out. Um, Kansas has been kind of up and down. I think Texas Tech is better than their record, I'll say that. I think Iowa State's pretty good. I think Baylor has been looking pretty solid. Um, I, we had, and I just, oh my gosh, I just forgot the pitcher who had the the shutout performance uh, this week, uh, this past Tuesday against. Da, 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 I have to scroll sometimes uh, between Prairie View A and M. Um, I I like what I'm seeing from Baylor's pitching so far. And if if they can continue to find more and the offense can can keep up, like I really think this could be a good year for Baylor as well. Yeah, I think I think like you brought up um, the pitcher that just had that perfect game, the first perfect game in Baylor history. I wish I had my name off the top of her head uh, right now. I don't. I think their offense still needs to get going a little bit. Um, you know, they had a, a big win against Prairie View and but then the next game won three to two. So I think their offense needs to get going. I still think. Their pitching needs to be more consistent, but it's still a little bit early in the year. I can say that about a lot of teams with consistency when it comes to piecing together pitching and hitting. 
Um, so I hope they figure it out and, and can become a force to be reckoned with in the Big 12 this year. Casey West. I had to go. I, I looked it up. Look, I'm gonna. it's not like it just popped in my head. Casey West, the pitcher for Baylor. Again, I, I do like what we've seen from them. Um, I'm really – okay, so let's look at this weekend. But uh, Sorry. I'm, I feel like I'm a little over the place at this point. Looking at this weekend, they said Oklahoma is off. Kansas is out in Fullerton, California. They've got some games against Fullerton, Little Marymount, Arizona State, UCLA, uh, and Utah. Uh, Texas is in Tuscaloosa. They've got Alabama on the schedule, which whew, uh, Miami of uh, Miami of Ohio, a couple games. Oklahoma State is home for the first time this season. A couple against Stanford, doubleheader against Stanford, DePaul, and Minnesota as well. Um, looking at the schedule, obviously Oklahoma is off till Monday, and I, I know we're excited to see if Allo can get the break the home run record at home. But with Oklahoma off this weekend, what are you? Mo- what are some of the matchups you're most interested in seeing? Yeah, I'm really interested in Alabama and Texas. Remember, they faced off in the Super Regional in 2019. Alabama, two of three of those games, Montana Fouts pitched all three of those games. They got Lexi Kilpoisel on staff with a 0.36 ERA, Montana Fouts 0.38 ERA. She's got 66 Ks on the year. Can the Texas offense cool down these pitchers? You know, how will Simpson and Dulcini fare in the in those two matchups? Um, Alabama has Dallas Goodnight, Jenna Johnson, and Allie Shipman. Um, can we slow them down? Uh, how will Texas do against elite competition? You know, they struggled in Clearwater uh, a, a bit. And so this is their um, first time against uh, facing big time competition. Um, have they learned from the, from the past? You know, have, did they learn from those growing pains in, in Clearwater? Um, it's going to be tough to score in Alabama. Obviously, I brought up those two pitchers. Their staff ERA is 0.90. Their defense only has three errors on the year. So it's going to be tough to score runs on this Alabama team. But hopefully they can, they can, uh, they have some confidence from this past weekend in today's game and, and can build off that. I'm really hoping in one of the OSU-Stanford matchups that we're going to get to see Kelly Maxwell and I think it's Alana Vodder for Stanford match up. That could be the pitcher duel. Like This feels like it's going to be one of those series where it's a low-scoring one. First one-to-one maybe wins that one. I'm really interested to see how that one goes. Of course, Oklahoma State playing two against Stanford. It's Saturday off. While some of the other teams head off to Tulsa, it's just an OSU Tulsa invitational thing. Like there's games in OSU in Stillwater, and games in Tulsa. I'll be interested in that. Iowa State heading out to Arizona. Like I mentioned, they got Arizona on the schedule. They got Boise State. I think that's going to be a really interesting group of games to keep an eye on for them. Texas State, as you mentioned, Texas trouble. It's a solid program. Let's see how Iowa State looks against them. Yeah, I mean I, Kansas. Good grief, guys. They don't go home for a while. We've, we've, we've talked to the Kansas head coach. She mentioned she stays on the road for a reason. Friday, doubleheader between, against Arizona State and UCLA. Whew. That is a day. That is a day for them. Uh, Melina, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. You know, I have to ask, as a Texas fan, you and I text, and I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I'm going to ask. Like, as, a, as a Texas fan, as someone who really enjoys them, I mean, how, how are you feeling about, about the Longhorns right now? Um, I feel like I'm I'm kind of in the middle, honestly. Um, they have a really tough matchup against Alabama. I think those games are going to be very important. Um, do I think they're going to win? I don't know. I sure hope they do. I, Montana Fouts, Lexi Kilfoyle, they're two of the best pitchers in America. They kind of remind me of, the, of back in the day when Oklahoma had Michelle Gascoigne and Kehlani Ricketts, both All-Americans, national champions. Um, so they got a big-time one-two punch at Alabama. Um, I just hope that throughout the season we, we can improve and uh, have some confidence going into the Big 12 and, and give Oklahoma and Oklahoma State a run for their money. Lena, this is always fun. I enjoy doing this each week. Are you going to you gonna tweet some softball this week? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, I, just, I, just, 
I just want to know if anybody's going to slow down Kelly Maxwell. Like her ERA, 0.38, like that's just unheard of. 67 strikeouts. I mean, she is just insane. She's only given up two earned runs on the year. I mean, when is anybody going to slow down Kelly Maxwell? That's what I want to know. Um, as an Oklahoma State fan, I hope the answer is never. And that you just, you know, if you face her, you're probably going to struggle to score a run. I would, I would be happy to take that. Yeah, she's been incredible. Um, if Elish can come into form and, and be the Miranda Elish of old, the pitching duo of Kelly Maxwell and Miranda Elish. If OSU's bats start fi- figuring it out, and they have been great. They can hit singles. Um, they swing it a lot. They strike out a lot. They leave a lot of a lot of men on base. The potential for OSU is quite good, as well as Kelly Maxwell is is, is slinging it. I'm very excited to see how that works this weekend. Uh, that Stanford doubleheader should be a lot of fun. I know, I know, we talk Big Twelve on on this thing, but can I show Northwestern some love? Like you, they yeah. they are doing incredible in the season. They're ten and four. They went three and one at the St. Pete Clearwater Invitational. Wins against Tech, UCLA, Clemson. They lost a close one to Oklahoma State, as you know. We thought, you know, Oklahoma State might be in some trouble in that game. And then they went to the Mary Nutter and beat Washington and Oregon. They might be that, that you know, Cinderella team in, in the Women's College World Series like JMU was last year. Um, their, their coaching staff is incredible. Coach Johan ha- has your team ready to play. Their pitching coach, former All-American and OU great, already talked about her, Michelle Gascoigne. Uh, she's got, she's got those, that pitching staff doing awesome with a 2.11 ERA, 109 Ks. Danielle Williams, amazing, 80 Ks on the year, 0.95 ERA and big wins. She went the distance in both the wins against Washington Clemson and Oregon. So they got some big time quality wins on their resume. And I'm really looking forward to watching them play um, the rest of the season. Like I said, they could be that Cinderella team that ends up in the women's college world series, just like JMU did last year. Since we're doing non big 12, I'm going to do kind of big 12 soon to be big 12. Uh, UCF is 11 and six on the season and they are wild. Beat Ole Miss, beat James Madison 11 to nothing, which was crazy. DePaul and Oakland. And then had one of the just wildest games of the season so far. That 10, 11 to 10 loss to Florida that was back, forth, sideways, up, down, and all over the place. UCF is a ton of fun to watch. They're a little all over, but they're they're pretty dang good. They've got some nice wins on the season. I have, I've watched a couple of their games. They're I am very excited to have UCF softball in the Big 12 when they get here. Oh, definitely. I'm really excited for UCF too. They have really uh, showed up and, and showed out. Like you said, they had that insane game against Florida. Honestly, I thought they were going to win that one. Uh, mm-hmm. They start. They opened up the year beating Georgia, uh, seven to six. Um, lost lost some some games in Clearwater against uh, Wisconsin and Michigan and Tennessee, but then beat Texas fifteen to nothing. Uh, like you said, quality wins against Ole Miss. Had that great game against Florida. We'll see how they do in Orlando um, next week. Actually. And uh, against uh, South Carolina, so they'll be facing some uh, SEC team, an SEC team. Um, so we'll see how they do. But I agree with you; I'm really impressed with them. I think they're going to be great in the Big Twelve. They're going to be a great addition. I'm very excited for them. Yeah, they've got two against South Carolina, three against uh, Florida Gulf Coast this weekend. This weekend, my bad. Yeah, uh, Gianna Mancha, pitcher for them. She's been very impressive uh, so far this season. Really fun. Like seriously, guys, if you like softball, just Go find a UCF game. They're typically on ESPN Plus, like a lot of the Big 12 games are. I'm pumped for them to get to, to the Big 12. I think they're going to be a, a great addition to this conference on the softball side. Uh, Melina, got anything else you'd like to add? No, but I think that's it. We got some great softball this weekend. You brought up all those um, 
Big 12 teams that have some great competition. I think another series to watch out for is LSU and, and Lafayette. You know, that's an in-state rivalry. Um, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that. It's uh, Lafayette's first real real big test since they faced Alabama. They didn't do too well. They lost nine to nothing, nine to one, and eight to nothing. We'll see if they can bounce back with some big wins. LSU started off pretty strong in Clearwater, but then had three straight losses to Washington, Michigan, and Notre Dame. So we, we can uh, so we'll see if they can get some quality wins on their resume. A lot of good softball this weekend. I'm excited. Yeah, those Alabama losses were Louisiana's first two, I believe. So yes, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Lots of good softball. There's always good softball on. You just got to turn it on, especially on the weekend. And the games are fast and exciting. And I don't know how many, if, you know, it's just one of those things where just give it a try. Just, just, if you've got a team you root for and they've got a softball program, just put it on, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Lena, you are a ton of fun. I appreciate you as always. And uh, we will talk to you again next week. How's that sound? All right. Sounds good to me. All right. Uh, Like I said, we've got some guests coming up, some big guests. We've got Derek Duke from Heartland College Board is going to join us to talk Big 12 baseball, talk about this weekend ahead, talk about how dominant Texas has been. I, Melina is uh, dancing because she loves Texas so much. Uh, we have, uh, we've got Lee Cothran of the Dynasty Defined Oklahoma State Wrestling Podcast to brief to preview this weekend's Big 12 wrestling matchup. We're going to get to those things coming up next. There's only one place to get the best daily audio coverage of the Kansas Jayhawks, and that's here on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Join me, your host, Andy Metz, every weekday as we go through all the biggest stories affecting your favorite college teams, whether that's football, basketball, tennis, soccer, baseball, softball, volleyball, or any other team that the Kansas Jayhawks put forward. If there's a story to cover, we grab a guest from across the sports landscape and bring that story to you. Find it now wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Current and former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course, the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone family. Join me, Jamie Steyer Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone family podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure, this is one family reunion you won't want to miss each week on the Cyclone family podcast. Big 12 Wrestling Tournament is this weekend, Saturday and Sunday in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I, I'm, I know there's a few fan bases who are very excited for this weekend. Oklahoma State, as always, of course, Missouri back in the Big 12 for the first time in a while. And of course, Iowa State after an undefeated Big 12 season. Lots to be excited about this weekend. So I'm very excited to have uh, first time guest on the show. Very excited. Lee Cothran joining us today. Oklahoma State wrestling aficionado. Lee, welcome to the 1012, man. Thanks for having me, Philip. Really excited to be on here joining y'all. So uh, exciting stuff this weekend with the wrestling postseason. Always a fun time. So let's talk about, I know Oklahoma State is your uh, honey hole, uh, and we're going to talk a little OSU here in a second. But from, from a conference perspective, big weekend, uh, Iowa State, huge year for them. Undefeated in the Big 12, one loss total. I think they're they're currently ranked number four in the country. Um, this is a program that has been building and building and building. Obviously, it was it was good years ago uh, when now Iowa State head coach who or uh, Penn State head coach whose name just completely escaped me that I thought of not two seconds. Kale Sanderson, thank yeah. you. I was there, uh, but now Kevin Dresser, head coach, he's been building this program back up, and they have had his best season there as the head coach. This is. 
this is what the Big 12 needed was a, a, another someone to go alongside Oklahoma State and what they've been able to continue to be. I mean, how how big is this for Iowa State? And do you think this is a, a really nice year for them or, or an actual sign of this is what they're turning into and something we can start to expect from the Cyclones? I think this is what we can expect from the Cyclones moving forward. Uh, Kevin Dresser is a great coach. He built or he helped build Virginia Tech into the program that they've become. Um, and Iowa State went out and spent big money to get him away from Virginia Tech. So uh, they're willing to invest in the program. They're willing to go outside of Iowa and recruit. I think most of their lineup is from somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they got last year was kind of the kickstart with David Carr winning his first national championship and being the first national champion from Iowa State and close to a decade, I think. So he, uh, he's had a big year. He's a superstar in the sport. Um, great dude as well. So he's, he's really helping. And then, you know, they've got, uh, several guys from just all over. They've got a starter from Hawaii. They've got a starter from Cuba. They've got a starter from Russia. So they're, uh, they're really doing a great job up there of, uh, making themselves a contender, which is again, yeah, like you said, it's what the big 12 really needed. Oklahoma state needed Iowa state to get better. And uh, that's definitely happening. People don't, uh, I don't think appreciate this enough that being the top team in your conference is great. Um, but from a national standpoint, I mean, you need some other programs to, to challenge you and to rise up as well, because there is sometimes a, you know, when others rise up, it lifts you as well. Uh, uh, there's a, common saying about boats and ships and I'm not going to try to remember right now because it's not coming to mind um so iowa state becoming this again benefits oklahoma state so so too benefits the conference is getting missouri back into the big 12 obviously they were they left when they left the big 12 a few years ago to join the sec their wrestling program uh joined the i think it was the, oh, the I, mac yes um they're back this is the first season back and this is a team that was expected to challenge for the big 12 they had a good season this year, but it feels like it was a little below expectations. Eleven and four overall, eight and two in the Big Twelve play. I mean, is this? Tell me about this Missouri team and what you might expect to see from them this weekend. So Missouri's definitely had some guys underperform this year. Their hundred and fifty-seven pounder Jared Jacuz hasn't had quite the year that you know. Frankly, he's capable of having. Um, they've had some injuries. Alan Hart has been out a little bit. He's an all-American contender at 141 pounds. Um, but they've got a 165 pounder Keegan O'Toole who might be one of the favorites to win the conference or win the national title this year. So he's had a pretty dominant season so far. Um, so they've had some hiccups along this season that just, you know, some of the things you can't control. I think they're redshirting uh um uh, what's his name? Darn. They're redshirting a 149 pounder that would have been uh, all American contender. He's, he's really, really good. Um, and I cannot remember his name, not Jared Jake Hughes. Anyway, whatever. He's not in the lineup, so it doesn't matter, but they've Missouri. And I think they've had a couple of guys, they're 197 pounder and they're heavyweight. The Elam brothers just haven't quite developed into the national title contenders that they were expecting them to develop into. Um, but they're still young. So they've got a young team. They're going to continue to get better. Quite frankly, if they hadn't left the big 12, um, if I think some foresight would have happened there and you would have let Missouri just stay in the big 12 rather than force them out. 
Um, Oklahoma State wouldn't be talking about nine straight or 10 straight national or uh, conference championships. So uh, there were some teams there uh, where Missouri was just, I mean, they crushed the Mac. It was not even competitive. And uh, they had some teams that definitely would have won the big 12 uh, in that stretch with guys like Jaden Cox and uh, uh, Daniel Lewis and uh, Jaden Ironman, uh, who's now at Iowa. Right. But they've had some super talented teams over the last decade and it's good to have them back in the conference because they'll continue to be very talented. Missouri's a, uh, they've drawn a fence around that state and they keep guys in, in that state to, you know, go to Missouri and wrestle tiger style is what they call it. So, uh, plus the Ben Askren pipeline from Wisconsin has really helped them out too. So they've, they've got a lot of talent and they've got a good team and they're built. They, I mean, they're going to continue to be a contender and a challenger to Oklahoma state in the big 12 into Iowa state. Right. So, um, selfishly, I don't really want them to win the big 12 this year. I'd, I'd prefer, uh, Iowa state take it because, you know, it'd be annoying for them to win the last one that they were in and then come back and bookend their decade in the Mac with big 12 championships. That'd be a little bit annoying, but, uh, Hey, they, they're a competitive team and they're definitely in it, uh, for the team race. Oklahoma State having a, a disappointing season um, by Oklahoma State standards. They lost four matches this year, which is the most they've lost uh, since they lost five back in the 2013-2014 season. Uh, this isn't, for those who follow the Oklahoma State program, it's, it's not some sign of, of things going wrong. I mean, this was a roster that was, I mean, frankly decimated by by injuries, including to star A.J. Ferrari, who had the, uh, the car accident that, that knocked him out for the year. I mean, for Oklahoma State, how do you evaluate the season based off of it's disappointing based off the record, but with the injuries having such a huge impact on packed on that, I mean, how, how do you, how do you kind of look at the season to go, this is a massive disappointment. It's kind of, it, it just is what it is. We'll move on to next year. Or do you feel like this is still a Cloudwell program with a lot to play for this weekend and going into the NCAA tournament? Well, I'm going to echo what John Smith would say here. You still got to have the pride in your singlet and in your, Um, ability to go out and um, it's still in front of you, right? There are several guys that, yes, they've been dinged up, but they've got all American dreams, right? Um, That can go do it. You've got a returning fourth place finisher that he's hurt. Uh, Is he going to wrestle is kind of up in the air. I I, will find out more uh, here Monday night in John Smith's radio show, what the status is, but it sounds like, he's going to go um, and try it and, and try to go be a big 12 champion, uh, try to be an all American and, and reclaim his fourth place spot in Travis Whitlake. Right. So that's a big one. Um, you know, your Trevor master Giovanni, he's certainly an all American contender and a contender for a big 12 title as well. So look, I think there's still a lot to wrestle for uh, individually. And then as a team, from a mathematics perspective, there is an opportunity for Oklahoma State to win a Big 12 championship. The, the On paper, things are tight, right? So um, it's still there. You know, you get 10 straight, which would extend the program record, uh, the longest streak in program history with conference titles, which in, at Oklahoma State, you don't really get a lot of opportunities to be the first to do something. So to be the first to win 10 straight conference titles would be a really big deal. Um, 
it stinks that AJ Ferrari's out, right? Because uh, he's a guy that kind of was the heart and soul. It seemed it seemed like everything just kind of got distracted after uh, that car accident, and everyone kind of realized like, look, life's kind of fragile here, and we should probably uh, none of us are invincible. If that guy got taken out by you know something, then any of us could, right? So, um, so yeah, I think there's a there's definitely a a cloud over the program, but I think that Oklahoma state could still go contend for a, uh, big 12 title at, at podium finish at NCAAs might be out of the reach, but again, I you'll hear John Smith say this, I'm sure, but he'll say, you got to take some pride in what you're doing out there. And, uh, and, and you've got a, a lot of opportunity still looking at this weekend, Iowa state, Missouri, Oklahoma state, those are kind of the favorites. Anybody else you think could realistically or just has a shot at maybe having an impact at least or potentially challenging for the Big 12 title this weekend? I think it's pretty well those three teams. Um, If you look at the guys going into this weekend that are ranked, um, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Missouri are going to probably separate quite a bit uh, from the remaining teams in the conference. But uh, Northern Iowa, Wyoming, South Dakota State and Oklahoma as well all have uh, enough talent on their roster to make something happen, right? Last year, if you had told me that Oklahoma was going to tie for uh, first in the Big 12 championships, then I would have called you crazy. Um, so that's the thing about wrestling. It's all we, – we can talk about it all, all day, which I love doing. Um, but until you get on the mat, it's yeah, – anything can happen. So – um, I can certainly see a Northern Iowa or uh, a South Dakota state has wrestled extremely well this year. Um, we can see them hop up into the uh, top three as well. One thing I'm interested about big 12 announcing back um, last week, they received 58 pre allocations for the NCAA championship. Um, uh, before we dive into this, there's that, and that includes pre-allocations by weight class. Um, Big 12 got, I believe, the second most of any conference with the, with 43 uh, total. Big 10 got the most. Uh, it varies across weight class. Um, they've got six for heavyweight, 157, 133, 125. they got eight for 174, four for 184, 149. Just kind of walk us through what what does that mean? What do, what do pre-allocations mean? And, and what does that mean for the Big 12 players trying to make the NCAA tournaments? Yeah, so pre-allocations is something that the NCAA came up with uh, a few years back um, to make sure that the guys who have wrestled uh, a full schedule and uh, been competitive and have a certain, basically to equate it to like a college basketball, they have to have a certain RPI or a certain win percentage to qualify for the NCAA tournament. And uh, based on where guys finish in their conference uh, or finished throughout the season in the regular, in the dual season, uh, the NCAA will allocate seeds to the different weight classes in the conferences based on how many guys fit that mold. Right. So I think it's a minimum, you have to have wrestled a minimum of 15 matches and you have to have a, uh, like a 70% win percentage or a 60% win percentage or something like that. So, you know, you have to have one more than you lost basically. So, um, for instance, 149 pounds in the Big 12 this year only got four pre-allocation seeds, and that's because only four guys wrestled 
to those qualification standards. They only, they, there were only four guys that got 15 matches in and four that won, you know, enough to get those. Sometimes you'll see guys that are ranked in the top 10 that don't get a pre-allocation seat. Uh, at 165 pounds this year, Travis Whitlake is an example of a guy who didn't get a pre-allocation seat, um, or he didn't earn it for the conference. Now, those guys aren't entitled to that uh, automatic bid either. So if you don't go finish top four at 149 pounds or 165 pounds in the Big 12s this weekend, then you're not guaranteed to get a spot in the NCAA tournament. You'll probably get an at-large bid because each weight has a certain number of at-large bids that are available. But uh, yeah, that's just how they've decided to seed NCAAs. Okay. Basically. Let me, let me make sure I understand that correctly. I'm going to try and sum this up best I can. The number of wrestlers in the Big 12 this year mm-hmm. at a specific weight who meet a requirement of 15 matches and, and based off what I'm reading, a, a sliding scale of 70% winning percentage, top 30 coaches rank, and top 30 ratings percentage index. Right, RPI. right. Um, however many in the Big 12 hit meet that are how many spots the Big 12 will have allocated to them. And then it is decided based off where you finish in the Big 12 tournament whether or not you get one of those four spots. Exactly. Okay. That makes a total, that, that makes complete sense. I get it now. All right. Exactly. So, you know, it, and it, it is a sliding scale and it does depend on certain guys. There, there have been times where the number like three wrestler in the country didn't get a automatic allocation. I think Kyle Snyder won a world championship uh, for Ohio or well for the USA back in 2018, 2017. And uh, you know, would have, I think he won the big 10 and got, like the automatic bid, but he didn't qualify. He stole that uh, allocation from somebody who did qualify because he had only wrestled in like eight matches that year. So, um, so yeah, that kind of thing happens a lot where, you know, guys who are really good don't necessarily wrestle all their matches and don't get an allocation spot. And then they go steal it from somebody else. So it's a point of contention in some cases, but uh, most of the time it's a guy that deserves it. So so what's interesting to for this to me then is this really is a conversation about the stronger the Big Twelve, the better it is for the teams at the top because the more the 100%. more teams you're gonna play uh, wrestlers you're gonna get in. So if the Big Twelve exactly. has I mean you got eight at one seventy four, meaning that there's there's eight guys who meet that qualification. And and, yep. and so the better the conference is the more spots you're going to get allocated to you for the NCAA tournament, which is the better for the teams in the Big 12 and the Big 12 as a whole. So that is exactly. that's really interesting to me. Is is you are to some extent your team is almost at the mercy of the strength of your conference. In some cases, certainly. So in for in Oklahoma State, um, you really need as many allocation spots as you can get from your conference because you need 10 guys there now to compete for a national championship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at hundred, this, this year's a great example at 197 pounds, Gavin Sticka, he's, he's done his job filling in. He's been put in a position that he shouldn't have been put in where he's 174 pounder wrestling up at 197 pounds. And he's filling in for AJ Ferrari in that spot. And he's done his best, right? Won a match. He's probably not going to qualify for NCAAs. Um, he's probably not going to steal a spot, but if the, if the big 12 had, you know, 10 allocations for the big 12 conference at 197 pounds, 
hey, go win two matches at Big 12s or go win one match at Big 12. Just finish top 10, right? And you have a good chance to um, qualify for the NCAAs. And then you go to NCAAs and steal one. You know, that's points for your team and it matters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it could end up mattering this year with 165 pounds with Travis Whitlake. He'll get in that large bid regardless. Um, but now there's some pressure on him. He needs to finish top four at big 12s. He can't just show up and then uh, step on the map for his first bout. And then, you know, injury default out. Uh, he needs to actually wrestle to get his qualification for NCAAs. Uh, so, you know, in some cases, like if we, if there were eight spots for uh, 165 pounds, then he probably wouldn't wrestle this weekend. He'd probably show up an injury default. And that'd be that just trying to get more rest and get ready for NCAAs. But uh, now he needs to go wrestle and will he re-aggravate an injury? You know, that's always a risk. That's really interesting. So, I mean, it does, I don't, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but I mean, it does make it interesting to look at if you're in Iowa State and Oklahoma State and Missouri, three, you know, and you're almost happy Missouri is back in the conference because that means there's a likelihood of more pre-allocations for the Big 12 because Missouri is so good. That and, definitely happened this year. You got, I think they got eight additional compared to last year. So, and, uh, it's a, and so Missouri's you, the direct correlation. I mean, that's, that so you look at the rest of the conference go how do we help this this also explains why you know Oklahoma State head coach John Smith was one of the ones who allocated for the Big 12 to bring in the the other programs they did to compete in the Big 12 like South Dakota State and Utah Valley and and, and Wyoming yeah. because that's more teams it's more spots so as opposed to getting small number of allocations and having to to win so much more there's more spots which makes it easier to get as many players in or wrestlers in as possible yeah. So, I mean, in, again, you know, I, I definitely want to move on to the other stuff, but this, there was definitely a thing uh, when it was just the four teams in the big 12, when it was just Iowa state, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. Um, there was a conversation about the big 12, not getting in any pre-allocation seats, right. Or only getting one. So um, then that put a ton of pressure on the big 12 and that's why they went and merged with the uh, Western wrestling conference and, um, made that happen. And that's actually been a huge benefit because you've got some really good teams in there in, uh, Wyoming and, uh, Utah Valley's had some decent teams, air forces in Northern Colorado, or, um, they've had good years. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a, it's been an interesting, well, when Fresno state had their program before they cut it, Fresno state was always a contender. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely made a huge difference and it's been a big, uh, benefit for, um, big 12 wrestling as a whole to have those affiliate programs in. So leave looking at Oklahoma state. I got, I got to ask this. I mean, obviously this is a year that's been derailed by injuries and I think there was a lot of promise for this season. Uh, if you're an Oklahoma state fan, I mean, you look at this year and you feel a little disappointed because the way it kind of ended, though you got the sweep over Oklahoma and kept that streak going at the end of the year in a very <laughs> dramatic fashion. I mean, how much of this is just, this is this this year and you're going to do as best as you can, and but next year sets up for something very exciting? Or is there concern based off the injuries you've dealt with? And, and this was a big opportunity this year that you're going to miss out on and next year is going to be a, a step back. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some concern as always with injuries, the, um, a couple of guys that 
so, so I was saying earlier this year that Oklahoma State has a really good chance to contend for a national championship this season because you've got two finalists for sure in Dayton Fix and A.J. Ferrari, which, of course, it turns out it, nothing's for sure <laughs> um, with A.J. Ferrari or with any of them, I guess, is it's true. We, this could happen to anybody. But um, the uh, you had two finalists. You have uh, two guys that should be competing for a top four spot in Travis Whitlake and Dustin Plot. Well, sure enough, Travis Whitlake been dealing with injuries for most of the season. He's certainly had a disappointing year for him. I, he'd be the first person to tell you that, uh, considering he's a cadet silver medalist, a world silver medalist, and all these accolades coming in was a top four recruit in his class, you know, so on and so forth. And then Dustin Plot, same thing, number two recruit in his class, had a rough fr- true freshman year last year, uh, which didn't count. I mean, ultimately, he's still got four years of eligibility. But um, he's had a he's had a good season, but it hasn't necessarily been to his standard. Uh, and, and there's some talk about him being, you know, he, he doesn't necessarily trust his shoulder, which he had surgery on last offseason. So there's been some question marks there. Um, and those are two. But those are two guys that OSU needs to be top four uh, to win a national title. So um, fortunately, they've all still got a lot, lot of eligibility left. You really only lose. Dakota Gear after this season, he's a perennial All-American. Uh, but at 184 pounds, you're filling in with uh, a young man named Kyle Haas, who's a true freshman this year. He's redshirting. And he's had a very impressive redshirt season in open tournaments. Um, but the word on the street is he's the he's the only person that can get to AJ Ferrari's legs and finish takedowns on him. So uh, he's been having a, a really great time in the room. Uh, getting stronger, um, developing, and he should be your 184 pounder next year. And that's a really exciting uh, development. Is there, so, is there a better wrestling last name than Haas? Like can you, Haas. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. Ooh, that's going to be good. I've, I've heard I, there are some all name uh, contenders in the big 12, you know, with uh, um, I, I don't know there's a uh, Cade Brock was a good one you know, there forever. There's, there's definitely, uh, some guys that start wrestling. You know, yeah, that's a, that's a wrestling name. I, I definitely believe that. So, but yeah, Kyle Haas is definitely a, a good one. Lee, we're going to get you out here on this. I want your prediction. All right. Who's winning the big 12 tournament this weekend? Yeah, I think Iowa state's going to win the big 12 tournament this weekend. I think that they've got the talent to make it happen. It depends on how their 125 pounder performs. He's been a bit of a roller coaster ride, this season, he has picked up some really good wins against Travis Master, Master Giovanni. Um, I think he's I think he's beaten like Taylor Lamont and a few other guys. So he's you know up and down. He he has some bad losses too. Um, so we'll see how he performs uh, if he can wrestle above his uh, perceived seed. We'll have seeding here later in the week uh, when that comes out. But between him, between their 197 pounder younger Bastida. Uh, he's a Cuban uh, wrestling for Iowa State in his second year there. Um, he's really figured out some how folk style works <laughs> and uh, is great from his feet. And we'll see how he performs. 100, 197 pounds is really the weight to watch in the Big 12. Since A.J. Ferrari's out, it's a super deep, super talented group of guys. So um, that one should be fun. And then Ian Parker at Iowa State, he should finish off his career 
with another Big 12 championship. And then David Carr, of course, is head and shoulders above everybody in the conference at 157 pounds. And, and you know, frankly, in the country, he's uh, he's maybe got two contenders with him. Um, so it's going to be an exciting weekend for Iowa State, I believe. Um, but it's going to be really close. I think, you know, if you just put together what guys are ranked and what they should be seeded going into the tournament, if everybody wrestles the seed, Right now, I've got it as a, a tie for first place between Iowa State and Oklahoma State at 93 points, with Missouri close behind at 89 points. So uh, it could be a really, really exciting weekend, and everybody should definitely tune in for it. Um, it's going to, especially the championships are going to be on national TV on ESPN2. So uh, should be a really, really exciting time. Uh, if you're a Big 12 fan in general, if you're a sports fan, uh, wrestling, it doesn't get much better than wrestling versus man just out there uh, showing who is better at that time, who's got it between their ears well enough and physically to go win and bring home, you know, the accolades. Uh, Postseason wrestling is, is there's nothing better. Like really, uh, if you're a sports fan, that's, I I didn't know much about wrestling before uh, I got to Oklahoma state. I wrestled in high school in Texas, which is nothing. It was nothing at the time for sure. But uh, now it's uh, it's growing, and I think the more people get exposed to it, the um, the more you get it. Uh, it's it's a really really fun and exciting sport. Lee, appreciate your time, man. Looking forward to Big Twelve wrestling this weekend. As you mentioned, uh, the finals will be on ESPN two on Sunday. So if you uh, just want to put the TV on or got some time to watch, I would flip it on and and, and give it a shot. Uh, Lee, of course, you are the uh, the host of the Oklahoma State Wrestling Podcast, Dynasty Defined, and do a fantastic job covering the Cowboys. Uh, enjoy this weekend, man. I I, I imagine it's going to be it's going to be a good one. Yeah, it's it should be a tight race. So thanks for plugging the the podcast there, Dynasty Defined. It's uh, we're we're excited for this off season. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on uh, with that podcast and with what we're going to talk about with wrestling. It's a it's a year round sport. As if Saturday's showdown with Texas wasn't enough for Kansas fans, 11 a.m., God's time, home field apparel. Big news Saturday season three, the Kansas Jayhawk line is launched. You will finally find some of the most amazing Kansas sports apparel you've ever seen. From the company, home field apparel that makes the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel ever. And folks, I have seen the lineup. I have seen every shirt, sweater, and hoodie that is going to come out for the Kansas Jayhawks. And it is, I believe, as the kids say, fire. Is that right? I don't know. I'm old now. Amazing vintage logos. Amazing collection. You're going to love it. You are. It's so good. And even if you're not a Kansas fan, it's the kind of thing you look at and go, dang, nabbit. That is amazing. The more I look at it, It might be the best Big 12 lineup they've put out. And I love what they did for Oklahoma State and for Texas and for Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, Iowa State, Baylor, Iowa State. uh, I think they said them twice. Texas Tech, West Virginia. Like, folks, there are now only three Big 12 schools, current or future, that are not on home field apparel yet. Kansas is here, and this lineup is amazing. So here's what you need to remember on Saturday. When the Kansas line drops at 11 a.m. God's time, promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, gets you 15% off your 
first order. There's going to be lots of promo codes out there. There's going to be promo codes from our other pods as well in the 1012 network. Use whichever one you want. I hope you use ours. We hope you use one from one of our network podcasts. You can use one from Chalk 12, C H A L K 1 2, Chalk 12 for the Rock Chalk podcast for Andy's show. Okay. This lineup is incredible. I know I'm getting a shirt. I can't wait to wear it. I can't wait to get it. This lineup is great. Saturday, big new Saturday, season three, 11 a.m. You're going to want to be at homefieldapparel.com so that you can get your Kansas Jayhawk gear from the company that makes the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will ever wear. All right, time to talk a little Big 12 baseball. Joining me today, uh, one member of the Heartland College Sports, Derek Duke, uh, who covers baseball for them there. Derek, welcome to the show, man. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. We appreciate some of your time. Uh, baseball season underway. And let's just start with this. Uh, you know, preseason, Texas was pretty much a consensus number one. And I mean, at this point, it's hard to argue against it. You just, you never know going into baseball it can be such a fluky sport, but they have absolutely dominated this far into the season. I mean, they are undefeated. Uh, they haven't given up a run on a Friday or a Saturday yet. It's it's utterly ridiculous what they have done thus far, even though it's just a few games in. I mean, what has impressed you most about this Longhorn team? I think the stat you just mentioned, uh, talking about not giving up any runs, um, the pitching staff, the rotation for Texas has been outstanding. And I think you mentioned also mentioned the preseason stuff like that. You know, last year they were a team that went really deep in the College World Series. Obviously, they lost to Mississippi State, who ended up winning it all last year. Uh, just what they brought back from a pitching standpoint was going to be incredible. We knew that coming in, and so far they delivered. Uh, the rotation, Pete Hansen, Tristan Stevens, Tanner Witt, uh, they've all been fantastic with Hansen and Stevens. They have an ERA of zero. And then you look at a closer like Aaron Nixon, who can really shut the door on a close game. Uh, really, he hasn't really had to at this point, but it, he's still going to be uh, needed down the line. So, so far for me, that's been the big thing with Texas has been the pitching. Obviously, they do provide some offense with guys like Ivan Melendez. But for me, it's all about that pitching staff. And when you have a weekend rotation of that, you may be able to take one game from Texas, but I have a hard time seeing anybody take a three-game series against this team right now with that pitching staff. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. As a team, their their ERA is .67. Like, I think it's the best in the country. Last I saw, and this was before uh, Tuesday and Wednesday's games, they had the best ERA as a team. Uh, UCF had the second best, and, and and after that, it's not really all that close. Like, it's been incredibly impressive. It leads the Big 12. Uh, they're third in fielding the Big 12, second in batting in the Big 12. Like, it's they were the preseason favorite in the conference. They're preseason number one pretty much across the board, and I think the most impressive thing thus far is not just that they have remained there, but they have they have absolutely earned that preseason praise that they were receiving. Oh, without a doubt. And, I, you know, we just talked about pinching. Some of the guys at the plate, they've been pretty hot. Ivan Melendez, the a.k.a. the Hispanic Titanic, uh, he's had a couple homers so far this year. He's going to be a guy that I'm sure is probably going to be up there on the conference leaderboard when it comes to the home runs. Uh, Douglas Hoda was a guy that from last season squad, he looks a lot better at the plate to me. Uh, Faltine, Ardoin, Austin Todd. I mean, those are guys that are all hitting over at the 300 mark right now. Um, and we talked about just their dominance so far. They swept Rice, and obviously Rice isn't what they used to be in baseball, but they're still a decent program. Uh, however, that Alabama series this past weekend is what really caught my eye. 
Uh, it's a little bit of bad weather, kind of, uh, you know, cold, windy, maybe some of that. But overall, they just they didn't allow a single run on Friday, didn't allow a single run on Saturday, and only allowed one run on Sunday. So in a three-game series, they allowed one run the entire series. And I mean, to me, that kind of just speaks for itself. Yeah. I mean, if you want to argue they haven't really been challenged yet, I think Alabama was a nice challenge. They'll have a huge one coming up this week, and I think we'll probably talk about that here in just a minute. Texas obviously has lived up to the uh, preseason expectations. What team has surprised you the most in the Big 12, either positively or negatively? I'll kind of give one of each, and I'll kind of get the negative part out of the way. If there's one team I've maybe been a little bit disappointed in, I think it's probably Kansas State. Um, they still they have one win on the season. Overall, they've just struggled mightily. They're a team but with the trio with the guys like Dylan Phillips. They have some players offensively at the plate that I think can do some damage. However, pitching was a big issue coming into this year for that Kansas State team. Uh, pitching has been pretty much awful at this point uh errors have also been costly for them as well so that's a team that i thought maybe could take a next step as a program although they lost jordan wicks from last year they haven't really taken those steps that i needed to see to make me feel confident in them going forward however on the positive side if there's a team i'm really surprised by it's definitely been west virginia um they've gotten it done on both sides you know from pitching and on at the plate uh, speaking of pitching, Ben Hampton's a guy from them that's been great. Chris Sleeper, ERA of one. Uh, and at the bats, you know, Victor Scott, Grant Hussey, J.J. Weatherholt, the guys like Austin Davis who have been there. So for me, that's been key for West Virginia. They've had some good wins over Charlotte. They took two out of three from Charlotte. But for, really, for me, what surprised me the most out of the season is the way they started. Central Michigan, people may not know this, but Central Michigan is actually a pretty good ball club. They're a team that could definitely be in the postseason this year. They went and took two games from Central Michigan right off the bat to start the season. To me, that was definitely eye-opening, and from that point on, I kind of kept an eye on this team. And They just took two, two out of three from Charlotte, and moving forward, I think they're going to be in Minneapolis this weekend playing some Big Ten teams, and I think they're going to have a pretty solid weekend ahead. Yeah, they've been surprisingly good. I mean, and, and they're leading the Big 12 in batting average, average of, of .308. They're tied for the most home runs at, at eight with Oklahoma State. Like, they're putting up offense. That that has not been an issue. I think the pitching, as you mentioned, has been good. And I thought this before the season. Their their schedule is sneaky good. And by sneaky good, you mentioned Central Michigan. There's teams that people don't, who are maybe casual fans of, of college baseball, don't realize are typically good teams. Central Michigan, a close loss to Coastal Carolina, two of three from Charlotte. They've got the three games against the Big Ten teams. They've got a three-game series with Ohio State coming up. Like This is a very good non-conference slate for them, and it's been a really good start to the season, so I agree. Yeah, Kansas State's been incredibly disappointing, like really. I didn't have high expectations for them, but they have, have certainly not even lived up to those. I think I've been a little bit more disappointed in Baylor so far. I, I kind of thought that this might be a good year for Baylor, an opportunity for them. You know, they were, they played pretty well last year. They, and I thought that they could take a step this year. I felt comfortable about them playing in the postseason, and they've just been kind of okay. I mean, they're, they're eighth in the conference in batting. They're fifth in pitching. They're last in fielding. They only have one home run on the season. I, I've been, I think because I had higher expectations for Baylor, they have been the mis- most disappointing to me, even though Kansas State has really been, had a really rough start to the season. 
I think that's fair to say. The thing is with Baylor, we knew about Jared McKenzie coming in the season, but there were plenty of question marks on that team from from a pitching standpoint as well. Uh, they had Maryland to open up their uh, their season last week. So to me, that was going to be a definite test for them. Maryland's one of the better teams inside the Big Ten. However, they got swept. I don't, but at this point, when I'm looking back on it, I think I see more of it. Maybe Maryland was probably better than what a lot of people thought. They did go in the top 25 last week. And then plus, for me, they did have a bounce back against Duke. They took two out of three from a top 25 Duke squad this past weekend. So for me, that was a huge bounce back. They're one of those teams that is probably going to be maybe not, I don't even know if a fringe team is the right word when it comes to the postseason. But when you are kind of on that fence, you definitely need those non-conference wins. So winning a series against Duke was a huge step in the right direction. However, they really needed to perform week one against Maryland, and they didn't do it. So moving forward, they're going to have to play a little, things a little bit closer to the vest. They're going to have to play their best ball down the stretch because their non-conference schedule, I mean, it's not the greatest. I mean, I don't want to say that, but they just haven't performed to the ability that I thought they'd be at this point. Now, speaking of the non-conference, they're definitely going to have a test this week uh, when they head to Houston. Yeah, so let's look forward to this weekend. A lot of good baseball to be played. You mentioned there's a, there's a it's the Shriners um, it's the Shriners tournament, and I forget the actual name of it. But three Big Twelve teams: Texas, Oklahoma, and Baylor headed to Houston to face off against UCLA, Tennessee, and LSU. I mean, this is going to be a really interesting series. I, I want to I don't want to to get your answer by stealing the answer from your question, but I do just want to kind of talk about this real quick. I mean. This is a huge opportunity for all three of those teams, Texas especially, to, to really, I mean, we've seen how good they are. These are their first real test. Um, it's huge opportunities for Baylor to, to put some some good wins because the rest of their non-conference slate is fine. Uh, and for Oklahoma, similar situation. Like UCLA, Tennessee, LSU, those are three teams who will be in the postseason this year. These are three huge opportunities for all three Big 12 teams. Oh, no doubt about it. This is always one of the best tournaments in the entire country every single year. It's all, It's always... We like it because it's loaded with Big 12 teams, and it's always loaded with the SEC teams, and, and that's just great for college baseball. If you're a college baseball fan, that's you know probably two of the best premier conferences in all of college baseball are meeting up you know for a tournament, so that's always fun to watch. But yeah, for Texas, I, I think it's going to be big. It's you mentioned we mentioned about Alabama maybe not kind of being a measuring stick, or you know maybe being that measuring stick for their season. How good is Alabama? I'm not really sure at this point. But they're definitely going to get tested against a good uh, offensive-powered uh, Tennessee team, a solid LSU team who's in the top 25. So those are going to be matchups I'm really looking forward to. Oklahoma, we really haven't touched on Oklahoma, but they're kind of also in kind of with Baylor. They're really – they can go either way. They're one of those fringe teams. They're going to need every win they can. Uh, we know about Peyton Graham, how good he is. Uh, Chaz Martinez was pitcher of the week this past week. I think he was national uh, pitcher of the week as well. So I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to perform. We just talked about Baylor. Baylor's going to need some of those extra wins. So if these Big 12 teams can take two out of three, uh, I think that's going to that's great moving forward. Do I think that's going to happen? I, I'm not really so sure because at this point, if you're asking me who the best teams in this in this tournament are, I'd probably go Texas, LSU, Tennessee, and then you know however you want to put Baylor, you know, and then UCLA and Oklahoma. So. For me, I think Oklahoma and Baylor are kind of that bottom tier going into this tournament. 
Yeah, absolutely. The The offense Tennessee's put up, LSU's offense versus Texas's pitching is going to be something to see. Uh, for those who are interested, um, the all nine games are supposed to be televised by AT&T Sports, Sportsnet Southwest. I don't know what that is. Astros.com, Astros Facebook and YouTube accounts are going to put it out. So that's really neat. you able to watch all of those. Uh, I know, I guess I'm kind of taking that one off the plate because uh, I'd like to talk about something else than just that. But Derek, looking at this weekend ahead, those aren't the only games on the schedule. So what what series are you most excited about? You know, I, I, I'm not really going to – I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't really looked too much at the schedule so far this week because my eyes are going to be on the Shriners Classic. I'm still debating on, on maybe going there in person and checking out a game because, after all, you know, I'll take some flack for it. I am an Astros fan, so anytime I can get a chance to go to Minute Maid Park, uh, that's always kind of a treat for me, I guess you would say. So I'm really looking forward to that. And Plus, it's an all-day thing, you know, games at 11, 3, and 7, so – you're there. You could be there for 12 plus hours uh, on a given on a given day, and so for three days of baseball, uh, sign me up for that. That's kind of my focus on this weekend. I get it. Look again, Texas facing off against Tennessee on Friday and LSU on Saturday. Like that's if you're a college baseball fan, like I want to see Texas pitching against Tennessee's offense. After especially after what Tennessee did to Iona, and, I, and I'm not saying Iona's you know good, but good grief, that was ridiculous. Um, just to look around. TCU going to Kentucky, TCU a potentially a road favorite, and I think they should take this series at least two of three. I'm really interested in this one. Anytime you get Big 12 SEC in, in baseball, softball, football, of course, uh, it's always interesting and always excited. I am really interested to see how the Horned Frogs do on the road facing off against Kentucky. And then another one that... Look, Oklahoma State has a gauntlet of a non-conference schedule. And Gonzaga, we all know who they are in basketball. That is a a team that is expected to win their conference. Oklahoma State's going to host Gonzaga for three games this weekend. I'm As an OSU fan, I'm interested. Uh, but as a college baseball fan, like it's an interesting matchup. And it, it could be really sneaky good. Oh, for sure. If you mentioned TCU, and we are talking about surprise teams earlier, that was kind of a team. Obviously, they were already a preseason top 25 team. I really wasn't sure how they were going to kind of come back this year because last year's team, you know, let's face it, they probably should have won the Big 12 or, you know, have been right up there. Um, they had so many veteran guys on that group last year. So I was really interested to see how they would bounce back this year. And I thought they'd done a great job doing that. Well, you know, guys like David Bishop, Braden Taylor, Tommy Sacco, Elijah Nunez. Uh, guys on the mound, Austin Crobb, Cam Brown, Brett Walker, they have some really, really, you know, power impact players that I think maybe some of these other teams, I'm not going to say Oklahoma State, but maybe a team like Texas Tech. I think I'm a bit more of a believer in a team like TCU than Tech at this point. Uh, but, you know, if they do take two out of three against Kentucky this weekend, that's going to be another huge thing. And we're talking about all these, you know, non-conference series and everything like that. When we get in the conference play, any matchup of Texas, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Texas Tech, any kind of mix and match with those four teams, sign me up to watch because those are all going to be great series. Oh, absolutely. That's going to be must-watch. Like it, there's, It's always fun to watch Big 12 baseball. There's, there's going to be some matchups this year that are going to be a whole lot of fun. Derek, man, I appreciate your time. You've been absolutely awesome. Do me a favor. Where can everybody check out the work you do covering the Big 12 and Big 12 baseball? Uh, you can... Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Derek Duke 25. I, I try to do my best with the baseball. Most of the stuff's kind of recapped by the weekends. Obviously, there are a lot bigger matchups on the weekends, rather maybe Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Not saying those games aren't important, but 
that's kind of what I focus on more of the weekend baseball. Uh, you can find my work at heartlandcollegesports.com uh, for all your uh, Big 12 baseball uh, reading. Derek, again, appreciate your time. Enjoy the baseball this weekend. We'll talk to you again soon, bud. Appreciate it. Podcast Network.